Welcome back to The Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Meets World, and today we'll be chatting with Lona Alia. Originally from Albania, Lona is the Head of Revenue for insurance company Safety Wing. She is also an advisor to startups in EU for innovation and founder of Y Combinator. In this episode, we talk about the importance of insurance as a remote lifer, living and working remotely with a family, and creating solutions to the impact we have as remote lifers on the places we travel to. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. And we're live. So Lona, welcome to The Remote Life. How are things? Hey, things are great. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. No, you're so welcome. Obviously, it was really great to meet you at Workplace Culture Conference in Dubrovnik. How did you find it? I found it really fantastic. I loved uh, that it was broken up into, you know, three different days, uh, lots of interesting sessions. Mm-hmm. I love that it was one location uh, and then lots of sightseeing to do in Dubrovnik. And I'd been there 10 years ago before. I just didn't remember how beautiful it was and really, really enjoyed it this time. Yeah, it was. we got we lucked out so much with the weather. It was, yeah, it made it so perfect. We did, um, so for people who haven't had Workplace Culture Conference, it was an event ran by the lovely Tanya, who was uh, one of our guests in uh, Series 2. And um, the whole idea was that it was a, an event to, um, for insights, trends, people to share what's going on in the remote working world and the wider travel industry. So yeah, it was it was such a great event. I was honestly mind blown at certain points. I was like, wow, like these people I'm surrounded by are just incredible. Like it's so inspiring. <laughs> I agree. Um, inspiring, incredible people. Like, yes, we had Sarah Howley, Rowena Hennigan, mm-hmm. Martin, so many great remote kind of like nomadic individuals that uh, we talked about the kind of like the remote life. So that was yeah. fun. Absolutely. And so speaking of which, Lona, why don't you connect the dots for us? Like, tell us about your remote life journey and what brought you here today? It's been a, an interesting journey. I mean, it started when I was 15, when I told my parents I wanted to live in the US and leave the country I was born, which was Albania, uh, just because I thought that in the US uh, I could accomplish all of these dreams of mine uh, that I had, all these goals. So I left Albania at a very early age, uh, immigrated to the U.S. At first, the U.S. was definitely not what I thought it would be. And from what I'd seen in the movies and TV and uh, all of the fun uh, TV shows I'd watch at the time when I was a teenager. But still, like I kind of like put my head down and I went through and, and accomplished a lot of my goals. And I was able to graduate at the top of my class and then... Um, was able to work in startups and move up the ranks and travel the world. I made it to like 80 countries and uh, learned seven languages. So it definitely became a way to accomplish a lot of the things that um, I had in my list. But in terms of being a nomad, I discovered this um, probably in the late 2000s when I just had gotten my first job out of college I wanted to spend the summers in Paris, but I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time. And uh, I asked my boss, I was like, is there any way I can work from Paris? So, you know, kind of like accomplish my goals. And he said, well, as long as you are able to meet your goals, then sure, we can try it. But again, it was like very uncomfortable because no one was doing it. And I was seen as this crazy person, like working from another country. But then that worked out really well. And uh, I was, you know, the top performer and I was able to do it from Paris. But again, like, because it wasn't seen as normal, it was quite stressful. Like, I felt like I had to be by a computer all the time. I had to be able to answer emails or any phone calls if they called me or I had to seem I was available. 
So I love that we have moved on from that, um, especially with companies like Safety Wing, where we don't kind of like watch over you or ask you to be in one place at one time. It's very much based on your um, output versus your input. And I just love uh, that way I've been able to, you know, build teams here at Safety Wing from zero to, you know, 14 people and a few million in revenue. We really have a fantastic, you know, culture where you don't have to kind of like hide or pretend or lie to be anywhere. You can just be who you want to be and just live your remote life wherever you want to. Love that, living your best remote life. Out of curiosity, does Safety Wing work asynchronously? Most of the time, yes, we do. Uh, we just ask that uh, Mondays and Thursdays for the strategy team right. meetings, we are available for two hours, uh, which right. is, uh, yeah, two hours on Monday and two hours on Thursday. The rest, you're async. Of course, you'll have meetings that you agree to. Uh, or if you don't agree to, then you can also take those meetings and have more focused days. But uh, you're only required to be uh, sync for two days a week for two hours mm. of those days. Wow. So yeah. I find it so yeah. interesting hearing different companies' approaches now. Obviously, everyone's got such a different opinion about how remote work or just office work in general should be done. So that's so interesting to hear your guys' take on it. So while we're talking about Safety Wing, why don't you tell us a bit more about who Safety Wing is and like what it covers and maybe the company mission? <laughs> Yeah, now Safety Wing is uh, an amazing company. Uh, the mission really is what draw, drew me to the company at first. Uh, and it is to be the first country on the internet. And what that means is to ensure equal opportunity and freedom for everyone. And this is a very big mission. Of course, it's going to take many, many years to get to the end goal that we want to, where you have like a passport and then you have this country that takes care of your health, your retirement, income protection, Everything that usually a country provides, uh, we want this country on the internet to provide to everyone out there. So if you think of uh, people that are born into a country where their passport uh, does not give them that freedom and opportunity, we want to be able to give that freedom and opportunity to those remote workers, nomads that are traveling the world, that they want to be borderless, but their passport where they were born does not allow them to do so. So by building this country and by building this type of passport that they can also uh, be free to live their life wherever they choose to, this is a big mission that we all believe in. And uh, I am truly kind of like attached to it because I know what it means to have a crappy passport. And then I know what it means to have the best passport. So, I mean, having a U.S. passport now. Uh, but I mean, so I don't know if it's the best, but at least it allows you certain freedoms that an Albanian passport example with the law. So almost like even if you're if you're someone who's purchasing that insurance, you're almost investing in that kind of work as well. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So like the what Safety Wing does, um, it does provide this like global social safety net. So health insurance, starting with nomad insurance, that is what a lot of nomads will purchase when they're traveling the world in case something were to happen, mm-hmm. they are covered. But then the cool part is remote health, which is the new product of Safety Wing. And that's the fully equipped health insurance that covers um, pretty much both employees and contractors mm-hmm. uh, and people that are freelancing. And it covers them in any country that they go to. So think of us, uh, you know, moving around the world. Uh, we're three months in Mexico, four months in 
Puerto Rico, six months in Europe, in different countries. I have a health insurance that covers me wherever I go. So it follows me, but not the other way around. Most health insurances are traditional. They kind of need to know where your country of residence is and they cover you in the country of residence. But as remote workers and nomads that we are, we don't really have a country of residence. Um, sure, I pay my taxes to the U.S., but uh, in the meantime, I'm traveling all over and I need these kind of benefits to follow me. And that's what Safety Wing figured out five years ago when nobody was looking at this. And now we're scaling with a lot of uh, startups and scale-ups that are interested in covering their workers with this type of insurance. Absolutely. You're so right. And I think aside from the location necessity as a nomad, um, can you name a couple of other like specific reasons why nomad insurance is just so important for people? Because I know that nomad like insurance, whenever you say about it, people kind of tends to be the last thing on everyone's list before going. But what would like maybe say the top three things in an insurance be for you that make it so important to think about, especially as a nomad and with a family? Yeah. You know, what is has been really important in the last two years with a pandemic, with a war, natural disasters happening, it's definitely nice to have something like that because if something were to happen, like we saw with the, with the pandemic, our people that had nomad insurance, they were covered for COVID-19, for example. And then if there were a war that, that were to happen, God forbid, in your country, which is now happening, unfortunately, in Ukraine, you would be able to evacuate it um, somehow. Or also, if you go to, let's say, the neighboring countries, Poland, you would be covered in Poland with that insurance. So it is it is important to have that just in case of any emergency, just because it could cost a lot of money. Uh, it could be very difficult. Anything could happen as you're traveling. So it is kind of like a peace of mind, in my opinion. And uh, Safety Wing makes it super easy to kind of like buy that as soon as you leave your country, buy it on the run. Like maybe if you, as you're approaching a border and they require health insurance, you can quickly just get it online very fast, which is nice. Those are the things that I like because like, you know, you're entering, for example, Costa Rica, they require you to have some kind of health insurance Uh, and having this, it's really easy. And that's what we pride ourselves with. It's just like making really good products that are easy to use and also just something that people love. And if you see our reviews, we have really high reviews on uh, Trustpilot. Yeah, no, you guys are doing some amazing work. It's, It's really exciting stuff. Just to like, speaking of just kind of take things back a little bit, what else is on your packing list that you must have? Maybe your like top three. So obviously insurance is one of them. Laptops, probably <laughs> another. What's like three other items you must have in your packing list? Oh, that's a good question because uh, I guess taking a step back and I've been so nomadic for the last four years with two kids. I have yeah. a, um, one is three and a half, one is one and a half. So we've been traveling nonstop. And we basically go from Airbnb to Airbnb and we try to be as light as possible. Usually we kind of follow the summer as well. So we don't have to pack as much. Uh, Usually we just have like one big suitcase and then maybe like a smaller one. But yeah, usually like uh, certain plugs, you know, like certain heads that you need to uh, change up from country to country. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we try to be very, very light, just whatever we need, uh, minimal things. And then if we need certain things, we buy them in the country, like maybe like a crib for the little one, and then we leave it there. And uh, we do a favor to the people that are staying there. Like for for example, we were in Mexico, 
We left it for um, the crib that we bought for our daughter. We left it for the helper. Um, and she was so, so thankful because, I mean, they're basically sleeping on the floor uh, with their kids, which uh, it made us so happy to be able to, you know, do these things and not cause extra waste as we are traveling the world. Absolutely. What do you think, like, on that note is maybe a couple of ways that people can think about kind of giving back? I feel like there's a lot of chat around, like, you know, plastic straws or, like, things that are just sort of, okay, there's that. But then what else do you think, like, people could do as nomads that just small, like, you know, giving, giving your crib to someone who could really need it? What else kind of would you advise people who are kind of like, how can I give back to the community so it's in a better state than how I left it, maybe? Yeah, I think this is a big uh, topic, I think, that a lot of nomads are discussing. And it's like, how can you live a very small footprint? You know, many years ago, I founded a company which basically would allow you to share items between people. So it was like a platform for women to rent things from each other as they're traveling. So the the idea was to travel the world without luggage. So I think it's like thinking about things like that, like what can we do to share things amongst each other so we don't bring a lot of waste to another country? We don't bring things that we don't need. Um, How can we share the resources with each other? Uh, But then of course, like, yeah, helping clean certain areas. Like you see that there's trash and Maybe you can pick it up and put it in the garbage, um, different things like that. Like we would do at the beach, we would pick up and see things that were left behind. If we were buying juices, for example, every morning, uh, I would just save that bottle that I first bought and then I would go back and just refill that bottle versus buying another bottle with a you know plastic um, Quite a bottle. Lot of, um, companies especially in Mexico I found actually did this thing where they would uh, actually say bring the bottle back so they were in, their juices were in glass bottles so they'd say bring them back and recycle your bottle I think I think you did get like 40 cents off or something like that you know you got something from it in a way but a lot of companies are also doing that now as well yeah I mean this is something that Europe has done forever I know Germany is for yeah of course century. Uh, But like, yeah, in Mexico, I guess, uh, yeah, less so just because plastic is so much cheaper. And this is a huge problem that the whole world has, especially developing countries where, you know, it's so much cheaper to have plastic and it's so readily available that we as nomads must do our part to say no to it and bring our own bags, our own maybe, uh, you know, bottles that can be refilled and not use uh, their plastic. Do you have any like favorite companies that you like using? Like, for example, I carry around um, a Stojo collapsible cup for coffee. And I, I got it out in Dubrovnik and everyone was like, oh my God, what's that? That's amazing. Because it was just in my pocket because it's collapsible. <laughs> I love that. Um, you know, I was just at the World Economic Forum last week and a friend yeah. of mine is doing these cups uh, that are completely biodegradable and they're amazing. I think they're done with like rice in the inside, I forgot the name of the company, but uh, they're doing some really innovative things. And uh, he was telling me what a struggle it is to talk to the big companies and have them change their ways. And it's actually cheaper to have these biodegradable cups uh, versus the plastic ones. But, you know, we need to change industry and to change industry, we need to change policy. Uh, So that's like a whole other discussion. But um, 
<laughs> I, I believe, I'm, I've been in the sustainable field for a very long time and I fought yeah. tooth and nail right. to make fashion more sustainable. But I did see at the end of the day that a lot of people didn't care that still bought from Zara and H&M and uh, whatever was cheapest, which I get it. You know, if they don't have money, they would have to do that. Uh, but truly, we need policy to really shape uh, how companies behave right. because if companies aren't told uh, or aren't told yeah, to put the true cost of the item, which takes in consideration the environment because they're polluting the environment by having these things in plastic, by having the factories and the water going to the rivers and polluting the rivers, the true cost of something is not really what we pay because the environment takes all of that hit. Mm. Uh, and until uh, companies are made to pay the true costs, they will behave in a way that be- they behave t- until now. But th- this is a big issue, uh, Han. And actually, at um, the World Economic Forum last week, uh, there was this Arctic base camp, and scientists that study the ice were basically telling everyone, like, this is exactly like the movie Don't Look Up. Like, we are in, in big trouble. Like, we have to help to change laws quickly to really like save the planet because the Arctic ice is just melting at an incredible rate and there's no going back. And and like, we need to act fast. There was a lot of politicians there, a lot of, uh, you know, heads of businesses. And I just, I just hope that money goes and flows in the right direction where, you know, there is a lot of activists there. There is a lot of young people that are trying to do the right things in this, um, developing countries, but they just don't have the resources. And now, you know, we're seeing that the last few years created the most billionaires, you know, in the world. So there's a big disbalance of what's happening in the world. You know, there's like so many, um, you know, people that don't have enough to eat. And then there's like X amount of billionaires that were created just in the last two years, like 540, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's such a again it's like one of those big topics like where where do you start with them and I guess a lot of people are probably feeling similar especially like um in the nomadic community where you know they might be based somewhere that's not their home country full-time or they might not be staying around like so I guess it's just how do we start kind of opening up that conversation around like there's something that that needs to be changed and we can change it and we can do those small and big things as a community like where would you suggest to people to start like are there groups that people can join are there discussion boards that people can join what would your thoughts on that Uh, yeah that's a really good point Han and I I think that uh, we were told for the last 10 years that it starts with you you can Mm. uh, make change there is this new school of thought these days that actually, no, people have to be told what to do and the government needs to really change things uh, because if it's not really down, written down in laws, people are not really going to do what you tell them to do. So yes, we can do a lot of things like a lot of us have been doing where we drink with like metal straws or we bring our collapsible cups and we try not to eat from takeout things uh, but then again, like you're asking third world countries to not do all of those polluting things, but they're yet the cheapest option. So someone has to give them an option, a different option. You talked about policy. So I was wondering, and I know that some there are in other areas of like different industries, there are people who are trying to get in on changing policies and things like that. So I wondered if you kind of had 
any take or knew of anything on there, but that's not, it's okay. It wasn't like a grilling that I meant that to come across as. Um, no, 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 that's great. I mean, I, yeah. again, like I, I'm very much, you know, tied to this because sure, I worked sure. in this area for such a long time and I feel the pain mm. uh, and I'm just like, okay, how can we, uh, you know, really make a difference but yeah, if we are allowing cars to still be used with sure. diesel and with gas, then you know that policies haven't changed. Uh, you know, if we're not investing heavily in the right technologies and we're not putting them into market right away, but we're being told by, you know, certain companies that pay politicians to still keep this old uh, industries around, then we know who's running uh, our policies. <laughs> you see in the US, you know, with the gun laws, like how we can't even change that and kids are dying every day. So just, uh, yeah. It it's sounds ridiculous. like it's almost like a, maybe it's just that we, as nomads, but it's a, if it's something that you really want to be a part of, then, then it's finding people who are also just as passionate about it. And maybe it's building that community from there, perhaps, because, yeah, it, it well, this is going to sound very pine-sky positive, I guess, of me, but I guess at the end of the day, it takes one person to start making things like that and just trying to help push people towards yes. that, I suppose, right? And yeah, and there are a lot of initiatives in every, in every country. So that's what I learned uh, when I was at the World Forum. I saw so many young people from anywhere from the Amazon to India to all the different uh, far-fetched places so that you do have people making the right moves. It's just looking for them and joining forces. Mm, absolutely and like you said like it's being wary of where your dollars are at I feel like that's that's not drilled into us enough like think less about the plastic straws and more about where's your dollars going like where's your money going like just being yes. very mindful and conscious of that like you said is it H&M or is it like I don't want to like again demonize big brands but yeah 100% I feel like there is just a slight different way of thinking about where your money goes it's like when we talk about with nomads like are you supporting all round, all year round businesses? Are you supporting kind of big chains? Like there is so much that you actually can do that's just small, subtle changes. And also if it's really something that is of concern to you, reaching out to your community as well, it sounds like. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we vote with our dollars. I've been saying that for a long time. That's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how we buy is, is how we show where our support goes and mm-hmm. where it flows. But yeah, 100% mm-hmm. that. It's something I'm definitely curious about. So that's why I, I feel like I was like, oh, that's, that got very deep very quickly. But it's <laughs> definitely something that I think is of concern to a lot of people. And maybe it's just a case of making it more of an open conversation for us to be able to have more with more people. Because I think it is something that, especially after the pandemic, people have become a lot more wary about their own footprint and who it is. It's not even environment, like just environment worry. Uh, or eco-anxiety, I think it's also about like, okay, which companies are supporting um, human safety, for one thing, inclusivity and diversity in like all of their um, staffing, all the rest of that. So I think it's oh, yeah. a, and, and I thought of one thing that nomads can do, and yeah. I was doing this while I was in Mexico when I, when I saw that the seaweed situation was completely out of hand. And uh, I think that we can also be very truthful in our Instagram stories and the stories mm-hmm. we share with others. Uh, and really kind of like bring climate change to the top of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of just showing something very beautiful, you show that, but also like, oh, here is the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is how actually people are living just off the strip of the main kind of like avenida in Mexico. 
you know, this is the garbage that we see here produced by all of these things. Or, or actually, uh, we're in Mexico, and because the weather is so hot, that's why we have all this uh, seaweed. And actually, they're trying to clean it, but they can't really do enough because it's so much of it. Um, so really showing, showcasing the truth uh, and what's happening so uh, everyone cannot just like dream of this like perfect idyllic vacation spot, but also say, wow, think about what could be done here. Is there something that I am capable of doing that I can help with and, and not just think about, you know, racing there as soon as I can to just sit on that beach? Are you talking about Tulum by any chance? <laughs> yeah. Playa del Carmen, Tulum, um, and, you know, like you, I've, I've been there many times, and this time around, it was unlike any other time. Yeah, the, the seaweed was at an all-time high, and the situation was extremely scary and, and really sad, where those beaches that used to be turquoise, blue, clear waters were just disgusting. They smelled really bad. They were mounds of seaweed. Uh, the water, as you entered your feet were caught in seaweed and you just could not even swim. <laughs> so like, yeah. and then because of, uh, you know, sea levels rising, you know, the sea is coming closer and closer to the buildings and right. there's still buildings going up. So it is a situation that I shared with others. No, absolutely. I think there is definitely just being, there's, it's also like, it's not trying to ruin the fun. I saw a really amazing um, keynote by Nori Kintos, who's, um, She's in the um, National Geographic. I was going to Nat Geo National Geographic team, and she talked about how being sustainable and thinking more about the ethics of your travel is not taking away any of the fun. It's just simply kind of being aware of what you're doing, because of course, especially as nomads, like obviously we're we're we essentially kind of get to live almost like we're on a constant out of office in a way. So I think just. Being able to say, like, say to yourself, like, it's okay that to think about, just be aware of your actions and whether that's impact on the climate or, like, you know, the local environment, whether that's being aware of the community, because that was a big conversation that came up for me. I went to Mexico City recently. And, of course, they were also, like, oh, foreigners coming in and gentrifying the place. Like, they were, like, I've never had such a severe reaction on my content about it. And I think it's just being able to have an honest conversation with yourself is like it's to your intention around your travel also like why is it that you're going why do you want to nomad why do you want to live remotely as well and just being aware of again small practices small practices that can just make everything easier for everybody all around that's a bit long-winded sorry <laughs> I love that no no I love that that's so that's so true I think it's just awareness is the first step that we all take in, in any kind of like self-improvement. And of course we have to yeah, think about the planet, like she said, to be more sustainable and, and have that self-awareness. It's mm. definitely, it's a first step. Do you have um, like a personal mission at all for yourself? For me, it's to live like a great life. And, uh, you know, freedom is one of my kind of like highest values. And I love the life that work from anywhere affords me. I, I can, you know, spend time with my family, with my kids. I can still be free to explore new places and really get my mind uh, going. Yeah, I can also take advantage of geo arbitrage, which is pretty amazing. I can live it 
countries where the dollar goes a lot further and uh, without hurting the economy. Uh, because one thing we have to remember is that uh, if we are going with, uh, you know, Western money into certain countries, we also want to be mindful to not overpay the local rates for things because then we increase uh, those services uh, for the locals uh, a lot more. So, for example, I'm in Albania at the moment, and it's so much cheaper to be here to pay like a monthly uh, rent. But I do make sure that we don't pay like two, three times more because then they will increase those rates all around for everybody else and uh, the locals will suffer. Uh, and also when you're buying certain things in places, to you know, to pay the price that it is and just let that be that way uh, versus, you know, we got a couple of big like soccer games. Uh, so a lot of people came from other countries and they're just like paying so much more for things. And then the locals are like, oh, great. We can like charge $3 now a beer versus $1. And they're charging it for everyone. So the locals are kind of suffering with those prices. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any advice for people who are thinking about living remotely with a family as well? A lot of people have been asking me lately. I don't share a lot. Um, you know, being an influencer is not a goal of mine. Uh, because I, I really love my privacy. But I also understand that there is uh, some value that's can be given to others based on my experience uh, yeah. living this nomad life with uh, kids. Yeah. Having seen um, life, how expensive it has gotten, it, let's say in New York and San Francisco, where I used to live, um, I can live uh, that quality of life at a tenth of the price mm. uh, in many other cities. And that's what I've been doing the last four years. And it's been fantastic. And not only have I gained um, as a person and I've been free and not have been cooped up with just two kids in the U.S. somewhere, which usually happens when you have kids because you don't get as much help and help is very expensive in the U.S. You can have a lot of help in other countries. You can really uh, be free as a human, as a parent, still feel yourself versus just be like, oh, now I have kids and like I'm not me anymore. <laughs> Um, but it's been really great. Like, yeah, for a tenth of the price, we've been living this life in different countries. The kids are learning um, other languages. They're expo exposed to other people, other cultures. You know, it is a little bit hard to do logistically, but it's not that much harder than your nomadic life. And uh, what we do quickly is like we go into a country, we figure out childcare. So, for example, in Mexico, we just put them in a daycare or pre-K uh, you, once that's figured out, you're pretty much good to go. So figure out your Airbnb, your childcare, uh, you go into like a expat community group on Facebook and ask, uh, where is kind of like the best, uh, childcare that would fit your needs. Uh, and then you go from there. It's like, it's pretty easy. We've been doing this. Yeah. Pretty easily. Of course it, it does take some logistic planning. Of course. And do you think you'll kind of just still, still see yourselves living remotely for the time being? Or like, do you think you'll do some slower travel? Yes, I, we are going to maybe spend more time in the US, maybe as the kids get older. Yeah. But I don't know 100%. It's hard to say. Like we can't. That's a, that's a fun part about this life. You don't, you can't see very much ahead. You're just like living life as it comes and just trying to enjoy every moment because yeah, life can be, who knows how long you're given. So That's so exciting. One. That's just so refreshing to hear. And tell us a little bit more about like kind of working remotely with your family. Like how is it 
I'm assuming you like it. Would you recommend it? Oh, yes. I mean, for me, uh, it's been life-changing. I just love it. Uh, the reason is that I'm kind of a person where I can be very extroverted, but also I love my introvert time and I'm very efficient. I want to be able to do my work and then go live life. So yeah, I'm not the kind of person that needs that social interaction at work. Uh, For me, that impedes me from doing what I need to get done during the day. So the sooner I get my work done, the most important things done, the sooner I can go and live life. And I just love the freedom that I don't have to commute anywhere. I don't have to eat lunch out. I don't have to kind of like do small talk um, just for the sake of small talk. I I can really get done what I need to get done. And then I can dedicate my time, my special kind of like resources to those that I guess give me the most joy. I would recommend this life to uh, parents. I think a lot of parents have discovered it and they love it. Um, And it's sad that a lot of companies are making parents go back to work uh, versus work from home. That to me, it sounds very archaic and and very sad just because the company doesn't feel that they can trust the employee. Uh, They're making them go back, but uh, that is the old ways, Um, you know, going to a concrete box uh, just doesn't make sense. Um, it, it never made sense to me. Since I graduated college, I didn't want to get a full-time job because I'm like, I'm not commuting first. You know, in DC, it's like an hour each way. Uh, and then I'm not going to like a concrete box, be stuck for at least eight to 10 hours <laughs> and then call that life. <laughs> no, I was exactly the same. I never fully grasped why if I could do as much like you know in a space like, you know. so I, I did a, a year abroad in Brazil and I found that I was doing my studying as well if not better by sitting out on the beach sounds so stereotypical but sitting in a beach bar with my juice and my books and things and doing just as good a job as yeah as if, as if I was in the library at the time and then it's been the same since for me as well if I can do as good results for you while you know sat like on my sofa with my dog as I could do in an office then like what's what's the problem (laughs) 100% I think the key is flexibility Mm. so like at Y Combinator I went to Y Combinator uh, as a founder and I learned that you build products that people want Mm. so first figure out what people want don't just build something that you think you want And I've been saying this for employers where they should give their employees what they want. They should do what employees and contractors want. So if they want to attract and retain the best talent, do what people want. If they want to be flexible, if they want this working from anywhere, then make that happen for them. Like why make them go into an office if they don't need to? It just makes no sense to me. I completely agree. And it makes me so happy that you said that. <laughs> Honestly, it's so refreshing. Lona, final question from me. Fill in the blank. Home is where? Home is where my family is. And it's pretty easy. For me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you have a family, it's just, that's, that's home. Um, and yeah. But of course, for me also, I feel very ho- at home when I am in the country where I was born in Albania. Although America is also my country, I still, I feel a very deep connection when I'm in Albania. Mm. Would you recommend Albania to families who are looking to remote live as well? 
Yes. Uh, well, I mean, it's such a great city. Uh, Tirana, for example, it's very walkable. It's quite cheap. It's very social. It's very fun for both families and young people. It's just super fun city. And uh, Albania in general, it has mountains, you have beautiful seas, just everything in, in a one small place. Um, you can do a lot within a you know couple hour drive. And it's something that's undiscovered yet. For those nomads, I want to invite you to Albania uh, in September uh, 14th to 16th. So yeah, the Digital Nomad Fest is happening in Tirana, uh, September 14th to 16th. Definitely do check it out. Um, it's free to join. They're going to have some really great activities planned that are super cheap and you'll fall in love with Albania. So definitely recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to, I think the, the connection was a bit funny. So just in case people didn't hear it, that's Tirana in Albania are going to be doing a digital nomad fest from the 14th to the 16th of September. And yeah, hopefully, will we see you there, I'm guessing, Lona? Yes, um, I hope so. so we'll, we'll see. I'm always like moving around and going to different places and speaking on panels. Uh, but uh, I, sh- I hopefully should be there because I want to support the initiative. Uh, we're going to have some great speakers. I think there's going to be a crypto day, the first one. Uh, we're trying to get Brock Pierce um, to do a fireside chat. And he is the chair of the Bitcoin Foundation, one of the most famous people in the crypto space and um, a great friend from like Burning Man. And um, yeah, so it should be, should be really fun. Amazing. Well, Lona, thank you yeah. so, so much for this. This has been so wonderful to chat. And yeah, hopefully see you in Tirana, if not for that. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you, Han. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life. And thank you, Lona, for your awesome insights. You can find links to Safety Wing and Lona's LinkedIn profile below. Thank you so much again for listening. We can't wait to remote work with you again soon.